A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There are times in a captain's career when the pressure of command can become too much. When then should the line be drawn on what they should and should not do? In the name of peace, how much war can they wage? The captains in Star Trek have faced this question on many occasions. Those wars may be external, involving several ships and a lot of firepower. They may also be internal wars raging in the soul. In the many years of Star Trek's history, the times that captains have really lost control tended to be few. The point of commanding a starship is to be the calm head on what could be a chaotic body. Those in command need to be able to weather the most difficult of times and steer their crews to safety. However, sometimes that does mean wading into murky waters. The things that they teach in captain school do not always apply to the events in space. They may think that they are trained for every eventuality, but what is a captain to do when the ship is dead in space and the mission must be completed by any means necessary? Some captains with their position and power choose to wage a private little war. While it is up to history to condone or condemn, it happens with a surprising frequency in Starfleet. So with that in mind then, I'm Ellie with Trek Culture and here are 10 times captains lost control. Number 10. Picard won't let them leave the Devron system. In the series finale, Picard is bounced backwards and forwards in time by Q, trying to figure out the mystery of the anomaly in the Devron system as he does. In each different time period, John Luke is portrayed with all the control that he would muster at that time in his life. In the scene set in the past, he is the newly appointed captain of the Enterprise, though barely seven years younger than his present day self. Both versions of Picard are controlled and keep a cool head. The same cannot be said for the future version of Picard. In what has become something of a prophecy depicted by his portrayal in Star Trek Picard, Jean-Luc is shown to have far less patience with the universe and other people around him. He pushes his way through situations, insisting on resolutions while others may hold back. Never is this more evident than his determination to remain in place and continue the scans in the Devron system, despite the threat of attack by the Klingons. He overrides Beverly, insults Worf, and impatiently waits for the Pasteur to scan the area. This is exacerbated once the Klingons find finally launch their assault, resulting in the destruction of the ship and the death of several crew members. Though saved by the Enterprise, he implores Admiral Riker to the point of hysteria to remain where they are, citing their departure as a danger to all of humanity. Despite the later outcome, the crew watch in sadness as the once great captain goes to pieces in front of them. Number 9. Commodore Decker takes on the Planet Killer The Doomsday Machine remains one of the best episodes of the original series, mixing drama with action in a way that few of the 
other episodes ever really did. The threat of the planet killer is akin to the threat of the shark from Jaws. It is seemingly unstoppable, simply devouring what it can. The USS Constellation engages the machine and is almost blasted to pieces by the far superior entity. Commodore Matt Decker, in a bid to save his crew, beams them down to a planet's surface, intending to simply risk his own life by attacking with the damaged constellation. He then watches in horror as his crew are consumed while the machine destroys the world he set them down on, snapping his grasp on reality. He is lost aboard the wreck of his once pronounced ship, only to be later rescued by the USS Enterprise. In the Enterprise, he sees the one thing he wants more than anything else, revenge. The Enterprise is fully powered and he feels that he can engage the machine in a matched fight, though quickly discovers he has hopelessly underestimated it, narrowly avoiding destruction yet again. As a desperate final act, he stakes a shuttle and flies directly towards the gaping mouth of the machine. Kirk tries to convince him to return back, but it is useless. With a final scream of terror, Decker is consumed by the planet killer as the shuttle explodes within. While he made the ultimate sacrifice, it was enough to give the Enterprise the clues it needed to destroy the machine. Number 8. Captain Maxwell takes on the Cardassian Empire While most of the Starfleet action in The Next Generation would be contained to the Enterprise, on occasion the universe widened to include other officers and other starships. One such event involved the hunt for O'Brien's former CEO, Captain Benjamin Maxwell of the USS Phoenix. A survivor of the Cardassian Wars, Maxwell is convinced that the Cardassians are arming for another conflict. While later years would prove his theory, at the time there is no evidence and so he resolves to find some. Maxwell comes across as a very reasonable, affable man. He engages with Picard and O'Brien, seemingly oblivious to the seriousness of his infractions. The very fact that the Enterprise has been sent to hunt him seems to simply slide off in the beginning. Picard brings him down to Earth with a bang. Quickly assured that he does not have the support of the Federation, Maxwell returns to his ship with the promise of coming along quietly. With that, he takes the ship away, ending his career in a heartbeat. He both attacks and destroys several Cardassian ships, straining relations with the Union even further. Picard sends O'Brien in to attempt to calm the situation, as the next option is to engage and destroy the Phoenix. Maxwell is not lost beyond hope. O'Brien talks him down, sympathising with the man's position, but ultimately reminding him that the wars can't destroy their future as well as their past. The Phoenix stands down and Maxwell is taken into custody. Number 7. Archer orders the creation and then execution of Trip's clone. Archer's resolve to stop the Zindi War is seen in its most frightening aspect here. With the grave injury of Trip during a test to make the engines more stable at higher speeds, the ship is stuck. Flock suggests a radical option, creating a short-lived clone of Trip as a neurological donor. It sounds like something from a HP Lovecraft novel, science and horror combined in one. What makes the idea more disturbing is that Archer accepts with relatively little deliberation. His obsession to stop the disaster that is coming is driving him to greater lengths than he has ever thought possible. Sim, as he is dubbed, grows quickly, showing all of the signs of full sentience. He doesn't want to die, though the procedure will be fatal. He researches ways to extend his lifespan, though Phlox reveals he was aware of them. They are unresearched, and in the centre of the expanse is certainly not the place to begin. Archer speaks to Sim, telling him he would much rather Sim volunteer for the procedure, but leaving it very clear that there is no choice either way. Sim will be going through with it, even if that means Archer escort him with security personnel to the medical bay. Even with this, Sim tries to escape, though in the end it is for naught. Archer rewards him with a funeral service, though there is a little shading the fact that this man was born to die, and Archer not only allowed it, but sped his passing. Number 6. Picard and Robert Fight Captain Picard has, in his long history with Starfleet, maintained control over emotion wherever possible. His most recent years 
are marked by more and more incidents of this control slipping, though for the first three seasons of The Next Generation, he rarely lost his cool. Then the Borg came, and with them came the destruction of 39 Starfleet ships, with the loss of 11,000 lives. Through his abduction and assimilation by the Borg, Picard led the assault as Locutus, fully aware of what was happening with no power to stop it. Once the threat has been taken care of, the Enterprise is granted some much-needed shore leave, returning to Earth to do so. Picard takes the opportunity to visit his brother Robert's family in France, enjoying the time with his nephew and sister-in-law, though immediately butting heads with his brother. This continues, while the old-school Robert seems to scoff at the notions that Jean-Luc has about technology and advancement. Their bickering intensifies until, in a very un-Picard manner, the two of them erupt into a fistfight in the middle of their vineyard. While they stop the fight within moments, even going so far as to laugh about the state of their mud-covered bodies, Jean-Luc's laughter turns to tears as he finally breaks down, spilling the trauma he feels about his inability to stop the Borg. His brother, listening with empathy, manages to get the last word in. The great Jean-Luc Picard is human, after all. They help each other up, and their relationship is stronger for it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Number five. Cisco sinks further and further into the Romulan plot. In the Pale Moonlight stands as both one of the strongest episodes of Deep Space Nine and one of the darkest moments in Star Trek up to that point. The Starfleet captain knowingly commits crimes to con an empire into going to war. Roddenberry would most likely have had quite a few things to say about that. When the story picks up, the action has already happened. The audience watches Sisko attempt to come to terms with the fallout. He details his initial plot, and it was his idea, to bring the Romulans into the war. There are many people that he could have chosen to work with, but he goes straight to Garrick. Garrick is one of the most enigmatic characters in Star Trek. What is known about him is shaded in layers of grey, never quite rising to the brighter colours. Sisko approaches him because this is what he needs. Starfleet, with the exception of Section 31, has not trained him for this level of duplicity. The resulting forgeries, murders and declarations of war all serve to ensure that Sisko's plan is a success. The Romulans are going to help the Federation. However, where Sisko devolved from his original intentions to becoming embroiled in Garrick's darkness is lost in the murky shades of grey that he must now live with. Though, as he tells the audience, he can live with it. 
Number 4. Archer Steals a Warp Coil Enterprise got dark. In several reviews of the show, its relative light nature has been expounded upon. However, as the show sank deeper and deeper into the Zindi arc, the crew began to face challenges that few of the series had depicted before. Left without a safety net, they were forced to fend very much for themselves. In the episode Damage, Archer struggles hard with the decision to do what is necessary to save his crew. There are echoes of Captain Ransom here, certainly allowing the audience to have a deeper understanding of the other captain. Archer sends an armed away team to steal the warp coil of an alien vessel they encounter. This is so far removed from everything that Starfleet stands for that it is something that tests the man to his core. He asks Flox how he has dealt with crisis of ethics and conscience before. Flox tells him to do what he thinks is right. In this case, to be wrong is to be right. There is no question of Enterprise abandoning her search for the Zindi, yet doing so will condemn these kind aliens who offered everything but the warp coil as aid. Archer informs Flox that there may be more casualties coming his way. Though Flox at this point does not know why, he says that he will be ready. The two men share a moment and Archer sinks further into this hell he finds himself in, desperate to do anything to save humanity at the cost of his soul. Number 3. Janeway Hunts Down the Equinox one thing that was a constant for Captain Janeway in all of the years that Voyager spent lost in the Delta Quadrant was her steadfast resolution to get her crew home. She would show strength on countless occasions, overcoming the challenges of their situation. She was a reliable and inspirational commander. In some ways, Captain Ransom of the Equinox was a mirror version of Janeway. He too was willing to go above and beyond to get his crew home, though he quickly fell to abandoning the Prime Directive to do it. This led not just to inciting the rage of the aliens he had been harvesting, but also into attacking and stealing from Voyager herself. Janeway, putting it mildly, was not pleased. This was a betrayal on two fronts. First, the obvious betrayal that left Voyager in a dangerous position with the aliens, but second was the betrayal of Starfleet's values by ransom. Her anger began to cloud her judgement. She began a hunt for the Equinox, ostensibly with the goal of rescuing Seven of Nine, though serving to allow Janeway her revenge on ransom. This was most evident in her continued attacking of the vessel, torpedoes and all, regardless of of the casualties. In a way, Janeway is brought back from the brink by Ransom himself, sacrificing his life to move the Equinox away from Voyager before the core explodes. As Chakotay and Janeway reflect at the end of the episode, this is the closest Janeway has ever come to going over the edge. Number 2. The line will be drawn here. This was the moment when First Contact really hammered home the seriousness of Picard's struggle with the Borg. For years, the experiences inside the Collective had haunted him, but with some exceptions, these had simmered well under control. He battles the Borg aboard the Enterprise E in what seems like a hopeless fight. They lose deck after deck, continually having to retreat. He advocates euthanizing any crew member who'd been assimilated. He fires without regard, unwilling to pause to mourn. The Borg are an evil entity, a plague and disease. He becomes more more and more resolute to stop them, no matter the cost. So when he almost comes to blows with Worf on the bridge, it seems as though he can't be saved. He didn't reckon, of course, with Lily Sloan. With no regard for his position or his reaction, she corners him in the observation lounge and calls him out as only she can. He begins calmly, trying to make her see that his viewpoint is the only viewpoint, while she simply calls it revenge. He disagrees. She shouts at him to evacuate and destroy the ship. In a scene that has become infamous, he roars that he won't, and just to channel his anger, swings his rifle in an arc, shattering the glass of the display cabinet and breaking apart several of the models. He finally voices his deepest intention. He will stop the Borg. Number 1. Cisco Poisons a Planet 
Cisco seems to have had the least control over his temper out of all of the Star Trek captains. While it's true that Kirk was quite expressive of his emotions, and Picard, Janeway, and Archer slipped along the way, none of them poisoned an entire planet in pursuit of one man. Cisco's obsession with Michael Eddington could very well have led to his undoing in the fifth season of Deep Space Nine. Eddington's betrayal stung him bitterly, dominating his thoughts. It grows to a point where Starfleet actually takes him off the hunt for the marquee leader, owing to several failed attempts at capture. However, he puts himself back on the case once Eddington makes the mistake of attacking another Starfleet ship. Things devolve quickly. Sisko threatens to poison the atmosphere of a Marquis colony, mimicking the same action that the Marquis themselves had pulled against a Cardassian colony. Eddington naturally thinks he's bluffing, as do, for the most part, the crew of the USS Defiant. Even Worf has to ask for clarification once Sisko gives the order to fire. The explosives ensure that the planet will not be able to sustain life for 50 years, with much of the Marquis already at refugee status. In his hunt for Eddington, Sisko has racked up a high price. Added to this, this was not cleared by Starfleet in advance. For the uniform leaves the viewer with the question, do the ends justify the means? Considering what happens to the Marquis later in the season, that becomes an even more difficult question to answer. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.